This is 99% Invisible. I'm Roman Mars. It's really hard to get a sound trademarked. The first one in the U.S. was issued in 1978 to NBC for their chimes. MGM has one for their Roaring Lion, as does 20th Century Fox. That's 99PI's own Katie Mingle, TM. Harley-Davidson famously tried to trademark the sound of their motorcycles, that potato, potato, potato sound. After years of litigation, they finally withdrew their application. So if a bunch of burly bikers can't do it, it must be really hard. Right now, there are fewer than 200 active trademarks for sounds, even though sound can be super important to brand. Just ask these guys. My name is Joel Beckerman. And I'm Tyler Gray. Tyler and I wrote a book called The Sonic Boom, How Sound Transforms the Way We Think, Feel, and Buy. Here's a sound that would be, like, impossible to trademark. But Tyler and Joel say it was crucial to building up the brand it's associated with. Oh man, I know that sound. I know it so well. When I was just a little kid on a cul-de-sac, they built a Chili's in my town. This was before there were really chain restaurants where I lived. So Chili's actually felt kind of novel and exotic. My family was pumped, and our favorite thing to order, the fajitas. They don't really sell the steak, they sell the sizzle. In their book, Joel and Tyler use chilies and their sizzling fajitas as an opening example to illustrate why companies should think more about sound. You're sitting in a chilies at the dinner hour at 5 o'clock, and let's say at first nobody's ordering the sizzling fajitas, but then uh, maybe about 20 minutes, 30 minutes into the dinner hour, and, and I, I've seen this, uh, all of a sudden one person orders sizzling fajitas. As the server brings out the sizzling skillet of fajita meat and onions. And you hear that sizzling sound. Literally every eye, every single person in that restaurant, their head turns to the server walking past them. And they follow that server with their eyes. And then they smell the burnt onions. And that whole, And now you're hooked. And now everyone orders the sizzling fajitas. And in the back, instead of making that one order, they make 15. Yeah, they call it the fajita effect. My family fell victim to the fajita effect too many times to remember. We may even have initiated the original fajita effect, patient zero of the fajita effect. Chili's, by the way, did not invent the fajita. That distinction goes to a Texan by the name of Sonny Falcone. He was selling a subpar cut of meat called the faja and figured that if you cooked it out in the open with a lot of spice, people didn't care about the quality of the meat. It got to Chili's because Larry Levine... Larry Levine was the founder of Chili's. ...had seen restaurants around the Rio Grande Valley sort of do their version of it. He had the idea to make sound the star of the show. And so when Chili's opened up, they put that sound of sizzling fajitas in their first ever commercial. Fajitas sold like crazy. In the wake of their massive success, Chili's printed up T-shirts for staff that said, I survived the summer of fajita madness. Now they, they serve enough fajita meat to fill two nuclear submarines a year. I really hope someone filled two nuclear submarines with fajita meat to get that measurement. Tyler and Joel say it's surprisingly difficult to get people, even really creative people, to think about sound, to value it in the same way they value the visual environment. But sometimes there's one person who gets it. 
At Apple Computers, one of those people was a guy by the name of Jim Reeks. Hi, my name is Jim Reeks. I am the only person you know whose name is a complete sentence. Jim worked at Apple for about 10 years, starting in the late 80s. We didn't really have titles. Um, I don't even think I had business cards. Well, whatever his title was, Jim was working on sound for the Macintosh computers. Which was a neglected stepchild of uh, all things Mac. No one really cared about the sound until the end, which is unfortunately typical. Except Jim. He's a composer and a musician, and he understood the importance of sound more than most of his colleagues. And Jim had strong feelings about the startup sound that was on the Mac at the time. I just hated it. I just could not stand it. Here's what it sounded like. Here it is a couple more times because it goes by really fast. So when Apple first started up, it was, um, you know, the computer was far from perfect. It crashed a lot. And every time you turned it back on, you heard that jolting sound. So Jim set out to make a better one. Your Mac just crashed again. You've lost your work again. You're waiting for this thing to boot up again. That's the audience. Just a bunch of pissed off, frustrated people who are super annoyed and you're wasting their time. That's a hard audience to play to. I gotta change everyone's mood. So I was thinking a Zen-like meditative sound similar to a gong or chanting Om. Of course, we're all familiar with the sound he came up with. Oh, that's nice. So much better, right? Only problem was, Jim asked for permission to put this new sound into the prototype for the new Mac, and... I was told I couldn't do it. We already have a sound, you're not allowed to change it. It was just on and on and on. But Jim knew the people who were responsible for building the prototype. I played it for them, and then they liked it. And so when no one was around, we put it into the build. And the Quadra 700 shipped with the sound in it. That was back in 1991, when the Quadra 700 Mac cost $6,000. Jim says he never got any props for the sound, just grief. And yet that sound with a few minor tweaks has been the Apple startup sound ever since. So I think we can assume that Steve Jobs liked it. It's this big, giant, two-handed C chord, C major chord, that makes you uh, kind of feel welcome to this very stable, very substantial world of Apple. It's probably the single most connected sound with the Apple brand. And brand is just the experience or a perception prior to the experience. So everything that shapes the perception matters. It would be, you know, like, imagine a really beautiful car that just had this horrible engine always backfiring. Actually, there are people who make sure that beautiful cars sound beautiful, or at least that they sound right. One of them is Sean Carney. Hi, my name is Sean Carney. I'm the Mustang powertrain sound quality engineer for Ford. Sean works on Mustangs, and there are all kinds of things he and his team can tweak to get the sound they're looking for. There's uh, different tubes inside that the, that the exhaust gases will flow through, and those tubes have different shapes and different perforations in them. They have different hole patterns in them. 
it's sort of like an instrument. Kind of like you can control the sound of a horn by placing your fingers over different holes, Sean can control the sound of the Mustang. And it's an easier job for the standard V8. But then sometimes they'll put out a specialty Mustang. In 2008, Mustang decided to put out a remake of a Mustang that appeared in the movie Bullet in 1968. In the movie, there's a pretty famous chase sequence where Steve McQueen drives his Mustang all over the streets of San Francisco. Sean and his team wanted to make the 2008 Bullet sound similar to the 1968 Bullet. So when it comes to a car like a Bullet, it's about an old car from an old movie. So yeah, we're, we're trying to make that specific car speak to you in a way and it's drawing you back into those old memories. It's almost like that folklore of, of what that car uh, might have been. They're trying essentially to make a new car sound old which is challenging because cars made in 1968 were built completely differently. That old engine had a carburetor, we use a fuel injection system, and, and, and all those things, just they, they completely change how the engine can sound. Sean was never going to be able to duplicate the sound of the bullet car from the movie exactly. For one, the Mustang in the movie was enhanced with sounds recorded from a race car. And apart from that, it's actually illegal in most places to drive around in a car that loud. So, so a big part of what we try to do is we try to identify what, you know, what are those key characteristics, like what are the notes that are being played by that classic American V8 uh, sound that's in, in the movie. When the reviews of the Bullet Mustang came out, people talked about the sound. And most people thought Sean and his team had gotten it right. Here's the 2008 Bullet Mustang in action. <laughs> Sound is actually, in terms of all of our senses, it's the one we react to quickest. It's even quicker than touch. That's Joel Beckerman again. Brands that are not paying attention to this, not paying attention to sound in association with experiences, they're really going to get punished. Case in point, in 2010, Frito-Lay decided to come out with a new biodegradable Sunchips bag. Only problem was they never considered what that packaging sounded like. Here's a YouTube video someone made about the bag. Delicious sun chips. Love all your products. Thing that I cannot get over is the noise that this bag makes. I don't know what it's made out of. If you ever wanted to get like uh, this one little chip out of the bag, I'm actually yelling, and I you probably can't hear me. If you want to get one chip out of this bag, good luck. That guy on YouTube was not the only person to notice how noisy the bag was. Someone created a Facebook page called, Sorry I Can't Hear You Over This Sunchips Bag, and it got 40,000 likes, and it became a national news story. They had to pull the new bag and go back to the old bag. Good intentions, bad execution. Joel and Tyler refer to this kind of sound as sonic trash. You know, you'd never let somebody, you know, take a bunch of trash and throw it in your front lawn. But we allow cities our neighbors, brands, to really invade our sonic space. To dump garbage in your ear? <laughs> Is that <laughs> what you're saying? Essentially, essentially. Joel and Tyler imagine a world where all the sounds we hear have more thought behind them, more intention. It would be very rare that you would actually hear the sound that something made. That thing would trigger a better sound. In Tyler's world, they could make the Sun Chips bag sound like this when it's opened. Every time you get a chip, you're like, la, 
Yeah, except that sound. It's actually on that very short list of trademark sounds. So hands off. <laughs> Whatever. Invisible was produced this week by Katie Mingle with Sam Greenspan, Avery Truffleman, and me, Roman Mars. We are a project of 91.7 local public radio KALW in San Francisco and produced at the offices of ArcSign, an architecture and interiors firm in beautiful downtown Oakland, California. I hope when I die, there's a button on my tombstone and you can press it and it would play the sound. Support for 99% Invisible is provided by our listeners who bring both the sizzle and the steak. And by Squarespace, the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, blog, or portfolio. Here's a Squarespace site that I know you're going to love, thedyeline.com. If you're really into package design, the Dyeline is the place to look at the best designs and critique the latest trends. You're totally going to dig it. If you want a slick website like thedyeline.com, sign up for a free trial right now at squarespace.com and use the offer code INVISIBLE and I'll save you 10%. Squarespace. A better web starts with your website. This episode is also sponsored by Citrix GoToMeeting. Good communication is crucial for any business, especially when the people you work with aren't in the same office, which basically is my entire working life and the way the world is going more and more each day. That's why millions of small business professionals rely on Citrix GoToMeeting. It's the proven solution for meeting and collaborating online. Here's how it works. With GoToMeeting, you can share the same screen to review documents and presentations in real time. And with built-in HD video conferencing, you just need a webcam to see each other face-to-face. GoToMeeting allows you to present, demonstrate, and just simply meet from anywhere. Try GoToMeeting free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com and click the Try It Free button. That's GoToMeeting.com. And of course, we are supported by Tiny Letter, email for people with something to say. My boy Carver has several favorite sounds of his own. I like that sound. That's a sound that I really like on the keyboard. Tinyletter.com. It's free, easy, minimal, and powerful. The simplest way to send an email newsletter. From the great people behind MailChimp. MailChimp and the Knight Foundation helped us start Radiotopia from PRX. And this month, we have three new additions to the Radiotopia family. The first one up is The Heart, whose first episode came out last week. And if the top button on your shirt collar is is buttoned up, you're going to want to loosen that because... Yeah. Oh, no, goodness. It's not for kids, but you're going to like it. Our hit show, Criminal, also has a new episode. It's probably one of the best they've done, so just go get it. And this month also brings us the premiere of The Illusionist, Etymological Adventures with Helen Zaltzman, who you may know from Answer Me This, which is also one of my favorite shows. Dear listeners, your life is about to get much, much better. If you want to support 99% Invisible and all the shows in Radiotopia and have me say nice things about you, email sponsor at radiotopia.fm. You can find the show and like the show on Facebook. I tweet at Roman Mars, and if you follow me at either one of those two places, you already know that I'm giving a free talk at Prospect Sierra Middle School in the East Bay on Wednesday evening, January 28th. So you don't want to miss news like that, so follow us there. We also have a cool Tumblr and a Spotify playlist that will provide a nice soundtrack to your workday. But I encourage you to explore the entire world of 99% Invisible at 99pi.org. 
Radiotopia. Radiotopia.